From our studios in North Florida, it's in black and white. And now your host, the baby-faced assassin of freedom, Jerry Brooks. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, patriots of all ages, welcome to In Black and Right, the new definition of color commentary. And yes, as always, I am your host, Jerry Brooks, the baby-faced assassin of freedom and tour guide through the severely messed up, whacked out world of Joe Biden's America. And as always, uh, on this fine Tuesday, uh, before we get into today's adventure in prod- podcasting, uh, please send us emails, send us uh, questions, comments, shout outs, whatever, you know, and we even get hate mail too, so I'm not worried about that, but uh, just send us uh, some, just send us some correspondence and some feedback in at inblackandright at gmail.com or check out our website inblackandright.net. Uh, for news and uh, connections to all of our uh, uh, social media, uh, including Getter, uh, Rumble, uh, Truth Social. Um, We've got, gosh, there's so many, I can't even keep track of them all. (laughs) So forgive me, my friends. But anyway, uh, today, just kind of going through the... uh, Uh, through the news. Well, apparently, once again, FBI Director Christopher Wray goes before the Senate Judiciary Committee after a seriously pathetic performance uh, with the House Judiciary Committee. And, I mean, come on. Anybody with half a brain knows that Christopher Wray is a mess. He is corrupt to the core. He's smarmy. He's snarky. He's a lot of things that are incredibly undesirable, especially for somebody who is supposed to be the head of the nation's premier law enforcement agency, if not the civilized world. But as per usual, uh, people like Christopher Ray get into it with the Republicans. Now, in this case, it's going to be Ted, Senator Ted Cruz of Texas. And some of the things that, uh, <laughs> ooh, some of the things that uh, Ted Cruz said during uh, the time in the hearing, yeah, it's pretty rough, but you know, it, there, it's true. But I'll let you decide for yourself. So here's... Uh, Senator Ted Cruz today during the hearing in the Senate Judiciary Committee. I think you've been unwilling to stand up to senior career officials in the FBI who's allowed the FBI to be politicized. I'll tell you, I regularly speak with FBI agents across the country who are unhappy about the integrity of the institution being weakened because DOJ is being treated as a political weapon. I want to talk in particular about the investigation into multiple allegations of corruption concerning Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. Because the Department of Justice has, I think from the outset, 
tried at every step to stop investigation into corruption from Joe Biden. As you're aware, a WhatsApp text message was sent to Henry Zhao, a senior Chinese communist from Hunter Biden that reads as follows. I'm sitting here with my father and we would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. Tell the director that I would like to resolve this now before it gets out of hand. And now means tonight. And Z, if I get a call or text from anyone involved in this other than you, Zhang, or the chairman, I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows, and my ability to hold a grudge that you will regret not following my direction, I am sitting here waiting for the call with my father. Now, Democrats and those in the media trying to defend the White House repeatedly say, there is no direct evidence of Joe Biden's involvement in his son's corruption. Well, this is a text that is direct evidence that is stating that it is his father that is going to retaliate. Now, an IRS whistleblower, Gary Shapley, testified before the House of Representatives that the natural step he wanted to follow was to determine whether Joe Biden was in fact sitting next to his father when this threat was made to extort millions of dollars from a Chinese communist. And what the IRS whistleblower testified is that when he tried to find out whether Joe Biden was sitting next to Hunter, that the DOJ blocked getting the GPS data on Joe Biden's phone. Yep, folks. This and so much more that absolutely blows my mind. Now, of course, anybody who wants to defend this, go right ahead. I mean, I'm a free speech guy, but you can also, but I also will uh, uphold the right for you to speak, look silly, and act like a horse's ass. Sorry, forgive me, but I, I'm tired of this. And another great example. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, you know, what happened with George Santos, who was expelled, uh, by, who was expelled with the help of some seriously virtue signaling Republicans, along with the Democrats. I've never understood why, for so many years, when I was a registered Republican, why do they keep shooting themselves in the foot and in the head? Now, of course, the whole thing with uh, Santos didn't help the Republicans. It didn't help them. I mean, given certain, and I will in a, in a moment or two express why this was really dumb. I mean, not that I wanted, now if Santos did things that were wrong and illegal, okay, fine. But let's try something a little different here. Now, Democrats don't do that to their own. The, the Democrats don't do that. Why? And I'll give you a perfect example. Here you have Senator, New Jersey Senator uh, Bob Menendez, who was being investigated for bribery. 
His home was raided by the FBI and the DOJ, and amongst the things they found were large pockets of cash and gold bars. Now, that's pretty wild, I mean, being paid in gold, considering that, you know, what the market is for gold right now, I mean, that could be worth a small fortune right there. But the fact, but now today, NBC News and other news outlets put this out, that the gold bars that were found in Senator Menendez's home during the raid happened to be linked to a robbery that took place in 2013. And I'm like, what? Amazing. And yet, even with all of this mounting evidence, nobody's kicked him out. The Senate does has not even considered kicking him out. The mainstream media haven't called for it. But yet, in the House, that already has a very slim margin in the majority, decided to try to make nice to the corporate media and the Democrats by getting rid of Santos. Now, that's bad enough. You know, I mean, I have to keep asking myself, how stupid is the GOP? You only have a four-seat majority. Four. That's pretty slim. And now you make it even slimmer by kicking out one of your own, even though he might not be a Boy Scout. But yet you're still at a time that's this critical when you're dealing with appropriations bills, dealing with spending, uh, trying, you know, watching the Democrats get all freaked out because Congress isn't giving them more money for the Ukraine, uh, not handling Israel, and so on and so forth, given the fact that by the end of this year, just a few weeks away from now, we will be, starting January 1, over $34 trillion in debt. Okay? Now, keep this in mind, because now, when you're going to be dealing with spending bills and everything else, and and I truly, truly hope and pray that Speaker Mike Johnson really starts getting some steel in his spine, because frankly, we this is a wartime, uh, essentially, scenario. We need a wartime speaker because we've got crises all over the place, up one side and down the other. And yet, now, the GOP, that's going to have some serious problems now. Now, when New York's 3rd Congressional, you know, has their special election and when Kathy Hochul calls for it, if that seat flips Democrat, Oh, this is really going to make the GOP look even more brain dead than they already are. Now, I'm not rooting for the Democrats. I'm, this is why I became an independent. 
I'm I, I'm not going to root for the Democrats, but I'm certainly not going to support the GOP when they really do stupid stuff. Okay? And I'll tell you what, come the next Congress, January 2025, it's gonna be pretty dang interesting to see. Because there have been 29 members of the House who are retiring. Democrats and Republicans. And there are seven senators who are retiring. So you got an awful lot of open seats that are coming up in 24. And because the ding-dongs at the RNC aren't uh, doing what they need to do, they're worried about this dadgum debate coming up tomorrow in Alabama. And there's only going to be four candidates. And yet, it's a waste. It's a major league waste of resources. And frankly, I'm not exactly sure what President Trump is going to do as far as maybe telling Ronna Romney McDaniel. I mean, come on. She's a Romney. The apple doesn't fall that far from the tree, folks. To say, hey, you know, stop this. We need to get focused on Biden. Not going to find out, you know, which candidate. Uh, you know, it, it feels like Survivor. You know, the last one, you know, the last one off the island, kicked off the island. I mean, you've already had North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum, who has officially withdrawn uh, from the race. You also have Ramaswamy, DeSantis, Haley, and Chris Christie, who are going to be the four at the debate, together with their combined uh, ratings in the polls. Don't even come close to Trump. It the word the the oh my gosh. I mean, we are just a little over a month away from the Iowa caucuses and they're still having these silly debates. The primary is over, folks. It's been over for months. I mean, I'm Trump isn't taking anything for granted. That's for sure. He just did a double dip, uh, two events over the weekend on Saturday in Iowa. Uh, you know, he's doing these sort of, you know, smaller rallies because you can't really do it in the Midwest in December. Or oh, forget that. No, no, no. They'll, they'll be, the outdoor rallies will be back when the weather warms up in the spring, but Trump is going. He's shaking hands. He's meeting people. He's giving just an am he gave an amazing speech uh, later that Saturday uh, in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I mean, my gosh. I mean, it was brilliant. I mean, Trump is going on some serious offense, you know, because he's sick and tired of listening to Democrats and the corporate media talking about, oh, how awful, you know, he, Trump is a threat to democracy. Oh, please. Will you all get over your dang selves? Trump 
is never been a threat to democracy. He's been a threat to elitist power, the Uniparty, and people like loser, loser loony Liz Cheney and her silly book and these interviews. Honey, it's like, Liz, you're a loser. Donald Trump took you out. He took out the Bushes. He took out the Clintons. Three, three political families he took out in about a five-year period. Or five or six years. So, <laughs> Liz, honey, you know, please, just sit down, have a cookie, and shut your pie hole. Because you're a, you're a loon. A vengeance-filled loon who's not going to get anywhere. I mean, even if you do consider uh, a third-party candidacy, I mean, hey, are you you think you're going to do better than RFK Jr.? I don't think so. But, like I said, the difference between Democrats and Republicans, Democrats don't do this kind of thing. They don't turn on their own. Even though they deserve it, Menendez deserves it, that's for sure. But, uh, yeah. So I'm like, mm, you know, the, the GOP didn't do themselves any favors. And the Democrats are just, you know, they just keep on stepping along with their mainstream corporate media allies. So, eh, we move on. Um, but... I, I just want to kind of steer a little away from all of the Capitol Hill nonsense. We are still in this country right now as Hanukkah is coming up. Many municipalities, many towns have removed the traditional menorahs from their public squares because of the Israeli Hamas uh, conflict which is really stupid you still have pro-Palestinian pro-Hamas anti-Israel anti-Semites going bonkers um, this is really crazy uh, yesterday um, Hamas sympathizers were outside of a Jewish-owned restaurant in Philadelphia called Goldie. And apparently the, the restaurant is owned by an Israeli-born person named uh, Michael Sol Solomonov. And apparently just protesters, you know, just anti-Semite pro- uh, which is really interesting <laughs> considering yeah you've got the P governor of Pennsylvania condemning the incident which is nice but this is just insane plus you know <laughs> and of course the White House well you know forget anti-semitism you know, they want to combat and fight against Islamophobia. Once again, I mean, when you screw a pooch this bad, 
that dog breeders are crying all over the country, I, I, I'm left at a loss because the White House is living in some wackadoodle sort of combination of Alice in Wonderland and a bad episode of The Twilight Zone. I mean, my gosh, this, I, I want to see if I can get some of the audio of this. Uh, I mean, you can go on X uh, to Chad Prather's uh, uh, account there, but I want to see, I want to hear this, and just to let you know how psycho some of these people are. Folks, Goldie, Goldie, you can't hide. We charge you with genocide. Crap. This is bull. This is the biggest pile of horse manure I've seen in years. And I've seen a lot of it. Trust me. Israel, it, I mean, to charge Israel with genocide is stupid. Okay? I'm just going to be that harsh and that blunt. Anybody who believes this rhetoric of these pro-Hamas, free Palestine uh, types, uh, you're either paid, you're either useful idiots for Satan at best, or at worst, you're his spawn. This is full-blown anti-Semitism here in the United States of America in a major American city that a Jewish-owned business gets harassed with protesters and, of course, everything that's gone on on college campuses where students of Jewish heritage are, are literally afraid for their lives because the universities won't protect them. And there's been a backlash there's some pushback. All these big-time Jewish donors to these big schools that have these huge uh, honorariums, I'm like, come on, people. That's, this is stupid. And especially right now that we're overreacting. The White House and the... Uh, Press Secretary Cabbage Patch Doll, Karine Jean-Pierre, they're talking about combating Islamophobia. Really? You're so dang worried about the about the dadgum Muslims. What about the Jews? What about Jewish people? Synagogues? Uh, Jewish-owned businesses? I mean, come on, people. Sad, tragic, but true. Joe Biden doesn't have a freaking clue. The White House is totally in the clueless category. And, and yet you have, uh, and also, you have serious, serious, full-blown idiots like James Carville, the raging Cajun, who's probably should be on stronger medication, talking about evangelical Christians. 
in his sick, twisted Cajun mind, he believes, like others, that we as evangelicals, as those who follow Jesus, we are more dangerous than Al-Qaeda and Osama bin Laden. Seriously. There are people who are thinking that. And I'm hoping by doing by tomorrow I'm going to find some of this uh, because you don't have to believe me, but I'm going to find somebody saying this. And maybe Carville, maybe somebody else. I don't know. Which actually uh, kind of say, it's kind of a segue into something that I really just absolutely cannot stand. Now, I'm going to be, there's a guy, and I can't be, I'm going to give him a little bit of his 15 minutes of fame. A guy named Tim Alberta, who's written a book called The Kingdom, The Power, and The Glory. This is a woke Christian, who at least calls himself a Christian, and apparently is upset at evangelicals for their support of President Trump. Now, I, I played this uh, yesterday when I was doing uh, an interview, but I want to play it for you, the podcast audience. And if you happen to be an evangelical or you know evangelicals, play this portion to hear and see what supposed Christians uh, are buying into the lies about this whole Christian nationalism narrative, but I'll let this clown speak for himself. Uh, and I think the best explanation for this unflinching, unwavering support that we see that you describe is for a lot of these folks, a lot of these voters, they truly believe at this point that the end is near, that America as they've known it is under attack, that the country is on its last legs, that the secular leftist government, deep state, whatever you want to call it, is coming for them, coming for their churches, coming for Christianity. And that sort of creates a permission structure for them to almost rent out Trump as a mercenary to protect Christianity, to, to, to fight for them in ways that no good Christian ever would. And so it's almost a little bit like when George W. Bush said that to protect the free market, uh, that he had to first jettison free market principles with the bank bailout. This is sort of a similar thing where a lot of Christians say, look, in order to preserve Christian virtues in this country, maybe we first have to do away with Christian virtues. Okay, I'm going to pause it right here for a moment. The fact that this ding-dong, this virtue-signaling woke ding-dong, it's bad enough when somebody calling themselves a Christian goes on a network like MSNBC. That's bad enough. But to say that somehow that the real genuine concerns of an awful lot of evangelicals about the Biden administration as somehow some sort of fantasy, some sort of de paranoid delusion. Uh, excuse you, dude. Uh, the FBI already has put human assets, informants, looking for them in traditional Catholic churches and going after parents at school boards 
who don't like what they're teaching their kids. And you're going to sit there like some smug, snarky, virtue-signaling piece of crap and thinking that you know what's going on? Uh, no, you don't. You just plain don't. But, oh, and there's more. There's more, folks. So hang on. There's uh, something else in the uh, Corinthians. The pre former president tried to kind of jumble that. Uh, that is, um, evil communications corrupts good manners, which is, uh, uh, you know, which is what we see from the former president. I think you know what you're sort of what you're sort of getting at here is Christian nationalism, right? I read the I haven't read the book yet, but I read the piece that you put out in the Atlantic about it that ended with the pastor who took over for your father who was trying to fight the takeover of Trump in the, in the church, um, you asked him what's happened to the evangelicals in America, and he said they love America too much. It's like they're, is that what we're dealing with here? Is this what, what this, what the evangelical, or at least for some evangelicals that are supporting Trump, morphed into Christian nationalism? Okay. Okay, that's enough. That's enough. Christian nationalism. And yet, this clown... This Alberta guy, oh my gosh. I have had it up, well, I mean, you can't see where my hand is, but it's above my head. I have had it with so many virtue signaling Christian white guys that it absolutely makes me nauseous. No, it's like, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of this woke Christianity. I'm sick of the virtue signaling. And the and apparently some yay who who runs a church says that the problem with evangelicals is that we love America too much. Like somehow this is some sort of sin to love your country. Only in the minds of really twisted, deceived people can you come up with something that lame. And I mean, it is lame. Because there are people in this country and millions of evangelicals, which frankly makes me nervous because how many millions of evangelical Christians who are eligible to vote actually vote not that many i mean there are millions of you who don't vote and frankly i've had for the last 25 years my own policy when it comes to dealing with evangelicals and it's a simple rule if you didn't if you didn't vote you lose your bitching rights okay you've just lost them you can't scream about this, that, or the other, and you didn't vote? Sorry. Not sorry. I I've had it with that. Because we are at a pivotal point. And people like this Tim Alberta, who wants to live in his own nice little uh, woke world, fine. Dude, knock yourself out. But... To be that condescending and that insulting, uh, I mean, I might put up a link to this article in the Atlantic Magazine, but 
I'll tell you, there are a lot of people that I know across the entire country, you know, especially when, and I'm just sticking with in the evangelical realm. There are those who, and I'm talking Protestants and even Catholics, they see, even though they're, you, they know about Trump, okay? They know about the man. They know he's not perfect. But he was one hell of a president. I mean, just think about it. And the fact that he's actually, Trump is actually gaining more support amongst black voters? Oh, I guarantee you, the DNC is scared spitless. Because if you have anywhere like 15 to 20% of black America voting for Trump, it's toast. It's toast. The the Democrats or the Democrats are done. And I've said it before, I'll say it again, and I will keep saying it. Because, my friends, we, the country, people know what's going on. And the fact that the corporate media and the White House and the Democrat Party are trying to gaslight people. I mean, heck, yesterday, perfect example of this, a story in Axios. Democrats and the DNC have, have essentially ordered no Democrat candidate or elected official uses the word Bidenomics. That is not a joke. That is not fake news. Because people know, if they hear Bidenomics, Bidenomics didn't mean squat. It has done nothing for inflation, hasn't brought down uh, the cost of things. And I mean, and anybody who says that, oh, inflation isn't that bad, I said, really, go to any family in this country, uh, especially in places like uh, the Rust Belt, Michigan, Ohio, and they're busting their butts trying to keep a roof over their head to keep food on the table to keep gas in their cars and going to and trying to go to work and seeing their purchasing power diminish right before their eyes sure go ahead you don't have to use the term bidenomics because people already know it sucks and it's not going to help Biden at all, provided he can make it to the finish line and actually be the nominee. But I'll tell you, I will tell you folks, this is going to be an interesting time. Um, and starting January next year, hold on to your socks, folks. Just be ready. Be ready. If you're an America First, if you're a Trump supporter, if you're MAGA, anything like that, if you're a Christian, an evangelical Christian who supports Trump, get ready for an onslaught. An onslaught of names, pejoratives, they will call you essentially nothing short of the Antichrist. Which is really funny considering coming from a political party that adopted an Antichrist agenda, but... That's neither here nor there. So yeah, folks, 
hold on to your socks next year uh, because it's going to be really, really stinking weird and vicious, but you got to stay strong. You got to stay sharp. Eyes open. Absolutely. Eyes open, folks, because what you don't know can get you killed. Okay? I mean, ignorance is not bliss anymore. Ignorance right now is fatal. Know who you're dealing with, what they're saying about you, and learn to just do what you need to do and stand up and, and fight for the country. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with it. It is not a mortal sin. I mean, heck, I'm doing it. And I can assure you folks, uh, it's not easy in my world, but I'm ready for 2024 to be one crazy year. And I can assure you, whew, it's going to be. So keep your running shoes on because things are going to be moving fast. I mean, really like warp speed fast. And with that in mind, my friends, thank you so much for listening. Uh, God bless. Have yourself a great rest of the day. I will see you guys tomorrow. And as always, remember, patriots come in all colors.